Welcome to the SSPX Podcast, delivering sermons, lectures, and the spoken word from across the English-speaking world. Tonight, we will continue with the 2019 Parish Mission, delivered by Father Daniel Cheveria in St. Mary's, Kansas. His theme during this week-long conference is happiness, and tonight's talk is on sin, which is the obstacle to happiness. For this parish mission, we have pulled together various sources in order to get this content to you quickly and for free, but this is not free for us. So if you would like to donate in order to make sure that more of this kind of content is available to you in future episodes, then you can do so at sspx.gifts. Simply click on Angelus Press on the homepage and then make your donation. You can include a note like podcast, and that will help us to make sure that we can get it routed to the right account. Again, it's not necessary, but it would definitely help us in the future. With that said, we will now turn to Father Cheveria on the second night of the 2019 Parish Mission in St. Mary's, Kansas. Thank you again for, for coming to the, to the mission, for taking the time to prepare yourselves for, for Holy Week, for all the graces that God wants to give when we, we don't just remember, when we live again, the, uh, the passion and the, the resurrection of his son. Just a reminder of the, the overall plan of what we're, we're talking about. The overall theme, as you know, is happiness in the Christian life. Yesterday we saw heaven as the, the end of happiness. Today we're going to talk about sin as the obstacle to happiness. Wednesday, tomorrow, we'll talk about our Lord under the aspect of being the, the teacher of happiness. Thursday will be the Blessed Mother. And finally, on Friday, St. Joseph. I have to be careful because Father Stafke is at this conference and he might be upset that I'm ending with someone besides Our Lady as if I'd be making somebody more important than the Blessed Mother, because, as you know, he has a, a great devotion, but I'm not, Father, it's just. She's more important, so I'm putting her closer to our Lord, and then St. Joseph is less important, so he comes after. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. There was once a priest who performed a marriage, and during the wedding ceremony for the homily, he said everything that a priest is supposed to say in those circumstances. He talked to the married couple about the importance and the sanctity of the sacrament that they were um, taking together, the importance of living a virtuous life, and of teaching their children to love God, of teaching their children right from wrong. After the wedding, the priest went to the reception. And at the reception, he entered into a conversation with a woman who was a friend of the family, but a non-Catholic. The woman, after introducing herself to the priest, said, there's something that I just don't understand about you Catholics which right away, you know it's gonna be something good if it starts with you Catholics, you know. You don't know quite what's coming down the pike, but you know it's gonna be interesting. She said, I don't understand why you're so obsessed with sin. You talked a lot about sin today. In my church, she was a Christian denomination, 
She said, in my church, we just try to be good people and we just try to lead good lives. And the priest who understood the true meaning of happiness, he responded immediately and said, I, I feel very sorry for you. That's a terrible burden. My church is a church of sinners. Our church is a church of sinners. If you don't understand that the Catholic Church is a church composed of sinners, then you don't understand the Catholic Church. And that becomes the most obvious when you look at the example of the saints. The saints who seem obsessed in talking about their sinfulness, in talking about their need for God. Every saint throughout the history of the church. And it doesn't seem to matter if they led sinful lives before a conversion or if they spent their entire life never losing their baptismal innocence once. They all talk about their sinfulness. Saint Therese talks over and over again about her sinfulness and she means what she says. Driving around the very beautiful state of Kansas, especially in the summer, and especially on the dirt roads all around St. Mary's, you know that your cars get very dusty and the windshields get very dusty. However, if you're driving around at night, you wouldn't necessarily know that your windshield was dirty because it's dark outside. And so you see through the windshield, but you don't see the film of dirt that's over it. Saints are people who drive around during the daytime. They see their sinfulness, they see the dirt and the separation between themselves and God because they constantly live in the light of God's presence. And living in that light, they see the dirt on their windshield, they see their sinfulness. We're not like that. We drive around in the darkness of our self-concern and our selfishness. We don't see how dirty our windshields are. We don't see the sin that's in our soul because we don't see clearly. Next week, we're going to all have the privilege, please God, to be reminded of one of the most, of the most, excuse me, powerful and beautiful proof of God's love for us, of really what makes our lives happy. But unless we understand the reality of sin in our soul, we're not going to understand the power of that mystery.
It's going to completely escape us. We have to know what sin is, to know ourselves in relation to God. There's two things that we need to know about sin. The first is that sin impedes happiness. Sin prevents us from being happy. Once, when I was in the seminary, I was taking a flight to go somewhere on a vacation, and I happened to be seated in the plane next to uh, a man who was reading a book about uh, comparative religions, so one of those books that talks about all the religions in the world and compares them to each other. He, as soon as I sat down next to him, he closed his book and started to ask me questions about what I was, about what I did. I was in cassock at the time as uh, an old, very experienced priest once said, the habit may not make the monk, but the habit definitely lets everyone know that you are a monk. So even though there's much more to the priesthood, much more to the religious life than what you wear, still, it, it lets everyone know what you are. So that gentleman, seeing the cassock, engaged in a conversation, he asked me, all sorts of questions. And then he started to tell me what he was reading about. He said, I've read this book and I've read other books about all the religions in the world. And you know, the conclusion that I've come to is, I believe in God. But I think that God made the world and made us and then said, go and just don't hurt each other. What do you think about my philosophy? I said, well, that would definitely make my future life a lot easier, but I don't know if... <laughs> no, I said, uh, sir, I, I think that's horrible. <laughs> it's wrong. It's a disservice. Why? Because sin creates disorder. And without order, it's impossible to have happiness. Even if your sin seemingly affects no one else, it creates a disorder in your own soul. And whether that disorder is caused by a serious sin, like drug abuse, or by a lesser sin, like vanity, that disorder in your soul prevents you from being happy because it prevents you from seeing things from God's perspective, which is the only way that you can be happy. And I'll repeat it again, it doesn't matter if it affects no one else at all. That disorder is still there. And even when we think it's just something that has to do with us, and to quote my friend from the plane, that we're not hurting anybody else, we are. 
How's that possible? Let's take a very applicable example to today, pornography. Before pornography was, let's say, not easily accessible. Well, you had to go to a special section of a video store, a special magazine rack in a bookstore. It was hard. Now, you just go to the right website, or the wrong website, but the, the appropriate website, let's say. And you can do that. You don't even have to be on your laptop. You can have your phone. You can go wherever you want, and you can see it. Let's, for a moment, pretend that somebody looking at that filth doesn't intend or doesn't um, help to advance that industry, which is already a false perspective because even if you don't pay for it, still just by watching it, you're supporting that industry that exploits human beings whether it's done by the human beings willingly being exploited or unwilling, it doesn't matter. You're still supporting the industry. So, but let's put that aside for a moment and say that you're not. Your actions in doing that alone, even if no one else knows, they still affect the people around you. How is that possible? It's because looking at that makes you see people as if they're not people. It makes you look at them as if they were just simply objects of pleasure. It dehumanizes people for the viewer. And so he's going to be extremely, or she, materialistic. Not materialistic in the sense that you care about things too much. That's not the real evil of materialism. Materialism is treating people as if they were things, objects. Things can be used. They're used for your advantage. You use this microphone to speak, to transmit uh, thoughts. You don't care about the microphone. People are souls made in God's image and likeness, and that demands our respect and our charity. Watching pornography makes you see them as if they were things. It makes the person materialistic, and that's going to affect their relationship with their spouse if they have one, their relationship with their friends if they have one. It's going to make it extremely difficult for them to pray and to have a relationship with God because their lives no longer become a service given in happiness and love. They, became, they become just a constant search for pleasure. And that disorder impacts everyone in their sphere of activity, everyone in their life. And you can say that about any sin. It creates a disorder that touches not just the person, but everyone else around them, even if those people don't know. And because of that, sin impedes happiness. The second thing that you need to know about sin is that 
Sin is fundamentally pride. When I was little, as I imagine happened for a lot of us here, my, my dad taught me how to ride a bike. So you had little Chevy, small, big head, kind of chubby. Nothing's changed, as you can see. Um, trying to ride the bike, and my dad, without the training wheels, as a matter of fact, I don't think my dad ever put training wheels on the bike. <laughs> can hardly blame him. <laughs> uh, uh, my dad used to go along beside the bicycle to help me to keep my balance. But I was extremely stubborn, and I didn't want help. Again, nothing's changed. So I would say, no, no, I got it, I got it. And being a good dad, he let go to show me that actions have consequences. And of course, I'd fall. And then get mad at my dad for not keeping the bike balanced. <laughs> that hasn't really changed either. <laughs> you could ask him. <laughs> uh, that is what our relationship is like with God, influenced by pride. Pride is to put ourselves at the center and to want to be self-sufficient, to not want to depend or rely on anyone or anything else. The word pride has a much broader application than just that. There is a good pride, and that's an important thing to know as well, a true pride. There's nothing wrong with taking pride in something. In fact, that's a virtue. To take pride in your job isn't a vice, it's a quality. To take pride in being a good father, a good mother, is not a vice, that's a quality. That's taking something important seriously. To take pride in being a member of the Catholic Church, of this parish, of this school, those aren't defects. Those are qualities and important things to have because those are all extremely important things and they should be taken seriously. There's nothing wrong with taking pride in something. Being proud isn't that. Being proud is just thinking about everything from the point of view of how it helps you. And that can become a very pervasive thing. Even about good things. Be careful. I need to go to church because it's good for me. I need to go to the parish mission because it's, it's good for me. I need uh, my family because they're good for me. I need my job because it's good for me. Me, 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 me. Everything in reference to yourself. And even if you're talking about good things, our life is a service. It's not a self-gratification. We save our souls because that honors God. Ultimately, 
We want to go to heaven because that glorifies God, ultimately. That's the real right reason. A proud person won't see that. And a proud person is going to have trouble having a true relationship with God. Because when a human being tries to look at God, they see someone so powerful, so beautiful, so majestic, so awe-inspiring, that they realize how they're really nothing, really nothing. A proud person couldn't bear that. Someone's better than me? Someone's smarter than me? Someone's more intelligent, better looking, more virtuous than I am? That's impossible. They just think about things from the point of view of what's good for them and not from the point of view of how they can serve God. And they won't be able to pray. Their prayer will just turn into asking God to give them things, not giving themselves to God. They won't do the people in their lives the good that they would be capable of doing because they'll just look at what they can get from those people and not what they can give to honor God through them. Sin is pride, because sin is precisely that. It's to put a man at the center of the universe. The only person who can be at the center of the universe is our Lord. Look at the example of the first sin that a human being committed, original sin. What was the temptation? God told you that you couldn't eat this fruit because if you had it, you would be like God and you would know good from evil, meaning you would know really what was best for you better than God would, and God doesn't want that. That commandment that he gave you isn't really what's going to make you happy, like we were talking about yesterday. It's just something that you have to do because he told you to, but it's not what's really going to make you happy. What would really make you happy is to eat that apple and to know good and evil and to know really what's best for you. And you, the Adam and Eve fell. They put themselves at the center and they rejected God. And regardless as to whether you're not trying to hurt anyone else, that pride at the center of your life putting yourself at the center of the world hurts everyone. We have to live our lives with the honesty and the courage that God our Father demands of us. Like any good father, God is demanding. He expects generosity. He expects courage. He expects honesty. Honesty is with yourself. Not trying to forget about your faults or to diminish them or to put them in a false perspective. It's to really acknowledge in front of God and through the confessional is a wonderful way to do that. Acknowledge before God that you're a sinner 
And that, that is your greatest reason for hope. Because if you weren't a sinner, you can't say that Christ would have died for you. And you can't say that Christ would love you as he loves all of us whom he died for. Honesty with yourself. Take pride in being a sinner redeemed by the death of our Lord. And our Catholic life demands courage. Courage in confronting those around us, and not all the time, and of course with prudence and charity when we can, but confronting those around us about things in their life that are preventing their happiness as well. If we really pretend that we're their friends, we'll do that. And again, we won't do it all the time. We won't do it every day. We don't need to keep harping on the same things. But we do need to tell them out of love. We need to live a life directed towards God that pushes aside the pride and unhappiness of sin. Said another way, we need to live lives that are prudent. What's prudence? We tend to talk about prudence as if it were the universal excuse for not pushing ourselves as hard as we need to. Ah, oh, you know, I could do a lot of Lenten penance, but uh, that might be imprudent. It's better if I was chubby and happy like Father Cheveria. Not thin and serious like Father Rutledge. <laughs> prudence isn't that. that. The book that I recommended to you, uh, St. Therese by those who knew her, there's a short little line by one of the sisters who is with her in the convent. I think it was one of her own blood sisters. She said, she, all of her actions, her conversation, her whole life was directed towards God. Now, that doesn't mean that she just talked about God all the time or that she just prayed all day. It means that everything that she did was something that she could offer to God, which is possible. And the sister goes on to say, she behaved with consummate prudence her entire life. Prudence is directing our entire life towards God and offering, giving everything to him and not letting anything remain in our lives that can keep us from him. And prudence is the path to happiness. The happiness of being a sinner whom Christ is going to die for just next week and a sinner who's going to be taught by the supreme teacher whom we'll talk about tomorrow our Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.